It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. I'm back, and I'm not away anymore, because I'm back. It's... <laughs> what an intro. What a way to start. It's Luke from the Custard TV podcast, although I'm not here enough to really warrant that title. Uh, Matt's here, who's always here. And Luke Knowles, I think we, your name is now, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, just... You get yeah. the and, and credit. I, do you get more money for the and? I think you do. We've had this conversation before. Many move on. Time. People are sick of it. Uh, and it's with Matt Donnelly. I'm the star. I'm for I know, girls. you're the star. So with Dawn Glenn, then. Hi, Dawn. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm the second billing. I'll take that. What's the most memorable with an and you can think of? I, I think the and on Ted Lasso is, is Juno Temple, which I always oh, think No, of. no, it's, it, she's a with and there's no and, which always freaks Ooh, me out. That's, it, that's it gets, unsettling. It, gets, it is, isn't it? <laughs> to me, and is normally like, uh, I was going to say vintage, that's not the word. <laughs> an experienced actor, an older actor, you mm. know, something a bit slightly legendary to me. The one that always got me, because it was so incongruous and like, why is he the and? Daniel Mays was the and in the series of Ashes to Ashes he was in. I didn't think he was that big of a name at that point. No, that was why I remember it. (laughs) We're also broken TV obsessives. That's why we remember this stuff. Um, There's there's a top ten list in there somewhere. Yes, that I will furiously write as soon as we end this call. Luke and Matt. This could be a podcast. A podcast? Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV Podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. This is the Custard TV Podcast. I am Luke. Dawn is here. Matt is here going to review four new shows this week um firstly though what did happen in the week that i was away because i literally had i had the internet obviously wi-fi was terrible i used my data god knows how much that's going to cost me it's not your worry but is there anything of note outside of this morning that you want to bring to my attention or was it just this morning all the time like tv news yeah, was there anything important that I might have missed? Anything surprised? I think what we should say, and Dawn will talk to talk about this, I'm sure, when we get to what we've been watching, is Ted Lasso finished, and there was this cryptic tweet that some critics picked up on that I don't think 
Ted Lasso as a character is necessarily finished, but there's been no definitive word from anyone. No one in Apple, no big media outlet has broken the story about a spin-off or anything. That seems really bizarre. As Matt's kept saying throughout the podcast, they did bill this as the third and final that got dropped. How do you feel about it, Dawn? Now you've now you've seen it all. I haven't Matt's seen. On the last I haven't one. seen it all, so without yeah. any spoilers. I have oh, many God. many thoughts about this, but I have been reading a lot about it this week. It is mm. the final. It, there's not going to be any more. I've read a Reddit Q and A with Brendan Hunt. You know that that uh, is the co-writer and plays Beard. Beard. And definitively, the end. There's not going to be any more of Ted or anybody else, as far as they are concerned. So um, that's it. I and many others are very not happy with how it ended. Those who just wanted Ted and Rebecca to get together and they're they're bitter. And, um, who are those people? Well, I was one of them, but... Why did you want them to be together? I don't understand unless I've... I am going to write about it. Uh, it's... it's was not an obvious on the top thing, but because the show referenced rom coms so much and used a lot of rom com tropes and specific things, there was this thought that it was like Sleepless in Seattle. Jason Sudeikis has said they're soulmates, and there was a lot of stuff about you know being cosmically connected, about their the parallels to the the most important day of their life happened on the same day, and all this stuff. Although that, of course, is completely applicable to friendship and platonic friendship, it is a trope that it is romantic soulmates. But let me be clear, that's not why most people are happy. unhappy. Most people are unhappy due to other stories, particularly Keely, Roy and Jamie's end and Ted's end as well, what happens to him in the end. So, yeah, there's a lot of unhappiness going around. I'm sure we've discussed this, but... There is a show we're going to talk about today, actually, that has a beautiful platonic relationship at the heart of it. But when you see a male and a female character and they have a friendship dawn, is it your natural want for them to be romantically connected? The best example I have for this is Car Share. I've talked about this many a time, where I just love to see a friendship of those two people, of that age demographic that you don't see very often on TV. And I didn't think it needed them falling in love because I was just interested in that dynamic of two people becoming friends at that time of life, discussing everything with each other and just being there. But then it turned into... Let's get them together and Kaylee being all heart-eyes for John and not realising. And I I felt that it was unnecessary in that case. But I'll let you speak to, to that of whether you always want or you always long for a romantic connection between I, a male and a female character. I really dep- think it depends on how it's written. A good example is Doctor Who. Very, very few people ship the Doctor with Donna because it was very clearly written that it was platonic. It was very clear that she was like, oh, I don't fancy you, you know. Especially uh, after Rose as well had yeah, been exactly. the romance. Exactly, Rose had been a romance. And, and then they had Martha, who was clearly in love with him, but he was still in love with Rose and grieving her. And then Donna, they very clearly made it platonic. And I mean, there are brilliant 
platonic friendships that people don't ship, like Leslie and Ron from Parks and Recs and things like that. I think it's when there is any ambiguity, and more so when they are shown to be the one person they rely on, like in The X-Files or whatever. If there is a male and female character who have compatible sexualities, and they are shown to be the one person they turn to or the person they turn to most or foremost or, you know, then I would naturally ship them. Because to me, if you have somebody like that, it's very hard to fit in another relationship because you're always going to choose someone over your partner. And that isn't a good idea. You know, if you have say, well, we're platonic soulmates, if that means they're the one person you will always choose, then that's not great for a, a, a partner. And I realise this is getting into psychology of marriage now. But for me personally, it's always about chemistry. And there are plenty of ships that other people ship that I just don't see at all. Just don't get it. I, there is something that, I, that is unexplainable that just connects to somebody that you want them to be together And I can't explain why. I really can't. I can't say why some really affect me and some just leave me cold or some I quite like, but not enough to really get involved in them in terms of fandom and all that. It's a very, very complicated thing. I I hope there is, and I believe there is, uh, scientific research. There's a few people who have done PhDs on on the, the phenomenon of shipping and why people become so passionate about it to ridiculous levels, you know, toxic levels. I I don't think it always has to be. I think there are certain clues in the writing that you look to. For me and Car shared, there was clues from the first episode that this was going to be set up as a romance. That was why I was right (laughs) in the end. But in other shows, it is more ambiguous. And I think the problem comes when writers want to keep it ambiguous because they want that fandom hype and build up, mm. but they don't want to commit to it and make it go wrong. And somewhat or ruin it. Yeah. yeah. So they keep it ambiguous, which is when you get a lot of fighting online and stuff. Because uh, it's all about interpretation and, and, you know, no one interpretation is correct. So. Well, unfortunately, yeah. we have no time for the actual podcast <laughs> this week, but we will get to it next week. <laughs> we'll do what we've been watching then. I finished Succession, as the whole TV obsessives will have done as well. I finished Barry, which I really respected, but had some issues with. And again, nobody appears to be watching that show in the UK, so I can't talk to anybody. But I really respected what they did there. I jumped ahead to a show we're going to be talking about. Somebody Somewhere, I finished that as well. And I also finished the most recent run of Inside Number 9 and went back to fill in the gaps where I fell off the train a little bit where that's concerned. I assume you did that as well, Dawn? Yes, I did. Without, again, spoiling it for the man who doesn't watch TV anymore, can I talk to you about the, the what they chose to be the final episode? Because it kind of encapsulates why I've fallen out of love with Inside Number 9 a tiny bit in as much as... The setup and the characters and the world I found really engaging. I loved the dynamic between them. I thought Reese and Steve weren't playing their usual roles and I really was interested in where the story was going. And then all of a sudden it flipped on me as as is Inside Numbers 9's job to do, I suppose, and became an entirely different thing. 
And my issues with it is they're starting to become a bit what I call like a cut and shut, where the beginning doesn't match the end in any way at all, and it's like they're two different things. How did you feel about how they handled... I know it's not a final episode, it's just the one they chose to be the end, but I was really invested in that world and those characters and and the the sort of smallness of them just being on holiday in this place and then all of a sudden everything flipped. Yeah, I felt that the explanation was very convoluted to Mm. get to what had happened. Oh, well, this is, you know, this is why. And they only mentioned that thing once. It wasn't like it was something that was running through the episode. No, exactly. I mean, obviously, all the episodes to a degree stretch believability, but I felt it stretched it too far. I just didn't buy it as a as a a motivation that would be that strong that you would completely change your life mm. so drastically for nine years. But like you, I really was enjoying it up to that point. I thought it was really interesting, and you know, the topic of cancer and living with cancer when you know there is a uh, you know a time limit on your life mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and how you deal with that as the loved one of, of, of someone which you know is, is something that perhaps isn't talked about enough is you know how not necessarily how the person deals with it but how their loved ones deal with it and I thought that was interesting and, and I was interested in watching it and then yeah I, d- I didn't enjoy the resolution to that one at mm. all definitely wasn't felt, my favorite. felt a bit cheated really in yeah. that because because they do such a good job of setting mm-hmm. up worlds and things, and then all of a sudden they flip it on you. It, it was irritating. When you think about, you know, the, the 12 Days of Christine or something, how they do a flip but still have a real emotional depth to it. And this one, the flip completely erased all the emotional depth, took away everything you'd enjoyed from that relationship and, and the interactions. I think there's an expectation, isn't there, on doing these twists and sometimes. I'll, I'll always go back to the video messages one with, was it Maxine Peak and Phil, Phil, Phil Davis was in that Phil one? Phil Davis, yeah. And I think we really enjoyed that up until the twist. And I can't really remember what the twist was, but I just remember our reaction to it. The twist um, was that all the characters on the video were in somebody's head. Yeah, like I identity. Like the I film forget identity. whose head it was, yeah. Should we talk about Succession? Obviously, we know Dawn's thoughts because we've all read her review on thecustardtv.com. Yes. Have we not? Yeah. Uh, if you haven't, go and read them now. But what Luke, What about you as, like, you know, massive Succession head? What did you think? I absolutely thought it was pretty perfect because it stayed true, in my opinion. It stayed true to what the show was. So I loved all the sequences in the place in the Bahamas or the Caribbean when they were messing about in the kitchen because we'd never seen that playful side of them before. That was pretty lovely. And then the stuff in the boardroom when they were doing the votes and the sudden turn, I think they handled it all really well. I would have liked something big to happen with Kendall at the end instead of that sort of wondering wondering what was going to happen to him. But I took it to mean that he was going to live... A pretty pointless life now. Where does somebody go when they think they know what their destiny is and they've been fighting for it all this time and what happens to that person? He probably becomes a more aggressive, shallow husk of a person than he already was because he didn't really have any identity as it was. I thought all the Tom and Greg stuff was great. I think it gave you 
everything you wanted from it, at least from me, it felt like a special movie edition of Succession, and I was really gripped by it. There were moments that I thought I knew what was going to happen, and it turned again. I thought it stayed true to Succession, and I think on a rewatch it'll work perfectly. Yeah, I I thought the focus on the, the three siblings was really good. The way it showed their, it's, you know, not to not to bring up Ted Lasso again, but you know when they were talking about in Ted Lasso the total football period, the triangle is constantly shifting, and that's what it felt like with those three: the shifting of power from Kendall to Roman to Chev, uh, dependent on who was doing what, who was going to vote what, you know, and how that came down to it at the end was very good. The, the scenes with Kendall and, and and Roman, where Kendall opened up. Roman's stitches by hugging him was just viscerally painful. My only complaint is that I would have liked more Jerry. That's all. Um, <laughs> Shocking. And apparently, um, Jay Smith Cameron said she filmed a couple of scenes with Tom where he asked her to come back to work. And, you know, even that would have done me. Other than that, I liked that in the end, basically, Roman is the only one who kind of gets a happy ending because he's set free from this. He now doesn't have his father looming over him. He doesn't have to live up to his father because he's not going to do his father's job. So uh, he's free of it. And I, I quite like that. And that brilliant acting between um, Sarah Snook and, and Matthew McFadden in the, the car at the end, the way she just lays her hand on top of his, she won't even Beautiful. hold it. Beautiful. Beautiful. Oh, yeah, that was magnificent. I totally agree with what you guys are saying. I think... Maybe there was that expectation that there would be more, but I think we had the the sort of the big shock early on in the in the series with Logan's death. I think that was the sort of the, the plotty bit of the show. And it is an episode which you can go back to, as Luke said, and unpick bits of it. You can think on what's happened afterwards. You know, there was no sort of big explosive finish as has been the way with succession. A lot of it is settled in the boardroom and um you know the end of each of the siblings is sort of a what's going to happen next and you can play that out in your mind and as um dawn said you know the stuff with roman and he sort of he had the the whole breakdown in the last episode but it's almost been set free i i i think the line that really stuck with me was when Kendall said he promised it to me when I was seven. You can tell that that has screwed him up and whether, as, as you say, Luke, that he is going to be a husk of a man, whether he's going to go back to drugs again, you can interpret that how you will and the same with the Tom and, and Shiv relationship and, you know, my prediction last week, which didn't come true, that there would be some sort of flash forward with that child having an unhappy child as well. And the generations just sort of playing out, which you can, again, make that jump that the child born into this relationship will not be happy. I think that's a a safe assumption. But no, I think really well done. Ended, I think, how Succession should have ended. And anyone who has not seen that clip of Sarah Snook and Jesse Armstrong doing Joy Division on karaoke should seek it out online. I haven't. Where is that? Where can I find I didn't know that was a thing. Where is that? Google it. Okay, good. That's what I'm... If I go quiet for an extended period of time... I also want to talk just briefly, because none of us mentioned it, 
bringing Brian Cox back for that beautiful oh, yeah. scene mm. where you see him at the most relaxed and jovial we have ever seen Logan Roy over the course of the annoying 39 episodes of Succession because COVID <laughs> robbed us of number 10 of Series 3, which was quite annoying. So it'll always yeah, be 39. I'm bothered by odd numbers. But that was so beautifully done because it was incredibly moving, watching them all embrace each other as they just enjoyed being in their father's company one last time. And actually, you saw how he did treat his inner sanctum on days where they weren't in a big business meeting and that they did have fun and they were occasionally relaxed and they did go back a long way. And I thought, you know, bringing Brian Cox back may have seemed clunky, but it all seemed to fit really well. And I loved Kendall's insistence on him being the eldest boy when clearly he's not. I just (laughs) loved all of that. I'm really interested to see what Jesse Armstrong does next. I'm sure he'll be given... It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Whatever show he wants next, I'm sure people will be clundering over it. And I still find it hard to believe that this incredible show that wasn't huge in the population but was massively respected, loved and lauded over by TV obsessives like ourselves and TV critics across the globe came from the guy who wrote Fresh Meat and Peep Show and... I don't think there was anything in all of those other Jesse Armstrong and Sam Bain shows that showed me that this was something he was capable of, but it's it's just a remarkable achievement. And the fact that it was mainly a British writing staff writing this big American thing is, is, is a phenom- phenomenal thing. It could be easy to do that thing of there will never be another succession, and I've done it on this podcast before and I'm sure people did it when the Sopranos finished or when Game of Thrones finished and all that but it is hard to see in this in this landscape of the streamer what their next big thing will be stealing a line from the podcast I listened to on holiday they've not had a dud period and they'll just and nobody thought at the beginning of succession that that was going to be the That's show that it much, became. very much been a word of mouth thing, Succession, yeah. hasn't it? But somebody I speak to on a semi-regular basis rewatched it in preparation for the new season that we've just had, and they said what they realised was Succession was always Succession from the very beginning. 
you could watch episode one of season one and it is the show it is. It doesn't it doesn't evolve into this thing. It's just that the audience had to sort of work to its level and a lot of people mm. weren't up to speed initially. So but I think the thing is is uh, and and you found this link that it is a hard sell and oh, you know definitely it has, a hard it sell, has yeah. to be someone like a friend saying, Oh, you need to watch this you know, if you saw it written down, you know, the, the cast isn't the starriest. It's not based no. on anything. It's not from the creators of. So it was very much people telling mm. people that they needed to watch it. And that's mm. why it's become more popular as the seasons have progressed. Whereas mm. something like, you know, Game of Thrones, as you mentioned, was, was a hit from the very start. And that maybe will be the next HBO hit will be something similar where... It took to, I think it took till like season three for like it to become like a big talking point. I think the first two seasons, people were still mixed on it. I think a lot of people maybe found it during the pandemic, perhaps. Perhaps. Anything else you've been watching, Dawn, that you want to talk about? Well, before that, I just want to say you asked if there was any TV news you'd missed this week. Oh, Um, yeah, was that today? Somebody somewhere has been uh, commissioned. Yes, I did spot that. Yes, I'm so pleased. And and in bad news, Lazarus, the uh, Ashes to Ashes, Life on Mars, I wouldn't say sequel, but set in the same world, uh, is no more. Unfortunately, for financial reasons, they've announced it will not be made. So I'm sad about that. Big news, Luke. They've done the first group shot of all the new gladiators together. So there's something for you. You and Dawn live in very different worlds, and I, I, want to, I want to live in Dawn's world. Thank you very much. Any yes. more shipyards in the time I've been away? No, nothing yet. Hopefully we will have lots to talk about uh, in yeah. terms of ships. Uh, you can find us on the Shipyard UST, on uh, YouTube, Spotify, and all social media. And we are, as you should know by now, uh, the custardtv.com, uh, that's where you can find not just the podcast, but our guides to the week in TV ahead, reviews of Succession's finale, and the uh, brilliantly charming Aussie comedy Colin from Accounts are up there as well, plus loads of archival stuff, big pieces on shows like ER and Clocking Off and The Good Wife and all The Americans, and you can just search the site for all our archive going back. The podcast is over a decade old with a crazy amount of episodes that you can find there as well. Like, subscribe and follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, which is It's The Custard TV. I am at Luke Custard TV. Dawn is at... Dawn Glenn too. I thought Dawn passed out there for a minute. That was a very scary gap. I think she was thinking you were going to read it out. and. Oh, sorry. Sorry. No, I needed a breather. I'd said a lot there. And Matt is at Matt's TV Bites. Like, share and subscribe wherever you are. Tell your friends we exist. And if you would like to be part of the podcast, if you think your views uh, should be aired here as a big TV fan, then there are many ways to get in touch with us. You can get in touch with us on the socials or you could email custardtvreviews at gmail.com and the podcast comes out every Wednesday and is uh, available on all your podcast apps of choice. I think I've done that correctly for the first time ever. Uh, on the show this week, HBO, we're back on them again. 
their new show, The Idol, which is basically what Sam Levinson from Euphoria did next. According to everyone who's had advanced copies, particularly those who were in the Cannes Film Festival, it's not gone down great, and there's been articles about a toxic workplace. That seems to be the thing of the moment. And uh, that's Especially with Sam Levinson. Yes, I do hope he's not cancelled before the third season of Euphoria. A French drama from Walter Presents, What Pauline... Now, What Pauline is not telling you, that's correct, isn't it? What's the French title, Luke? La Pauline no telling you. Um, that is on Walter Presents. Uh, I we'll talk Michael about was that. Watching a low and low then. Yeah, uh, the, re- the return of um, Somebody Somewhere on Sky Comedy and brand new on ITVX, Changing Ends, which is Alan Carr's biographical comedy, uh, which is all available as we speak. Now, first of all, though, we're going to talk about HBO and The Idol, which is available on Sky Atlantic going out weekly. It comes from Sam Levinson, who Matt and I know created Euphoria. It's also co-created by The Weekend, as in The Weekend, not the two-day break in the, at the end of the week, but the music artist known for songs like I Can't Feel My Face and uh, Blinding Lights. So they've created this, as Sam Levinson likes to do with Euphoria. He has written this episode of the show we'll talk about he's directed it he produced it so he's all just like euphoria where um his name pops up three four or five times before anyone else's uh that is the case um before this premiered on tv it premiered at the Cannes film festival and was slated by reviewers and even before that it had a rocky road to the screen with a big rolling stone expose saying how awful it was on set how exploitative it seemed how the original writer was sort of pushed out and Sam Levinson in the weekend reworked her work how he made them work long and arduous hours and people weren't dressed very well on set and it, all the intimacy stuff wasn't handled the best after all that The Idol is a show about uh, Lily Rose Depp's character Jocelyn she is a Britney Spears Miley Cyrus type of pop star who is coming uh, back with a brand new single after a breakdown that her team insists didn't happen. Uh, The majority of this episode takes place at a big lavish home where they are recording the video for the new single and they've also got a journalist from Vanity Fair there interviewing her and it's all about bigging her up for her comeback. She's surrounded by a group of yes men and women who tell her how brilliant she is and try to have her avoid any controversies, particularly one explicit one that comes up and is shared across the internet. Dawn and I have been trying to think how to describe that to you, and we're still none the wiser. Well, you just mentioned the song I Can't Feel My Face, so maybe that was... Okay, yes, maybe I did that <laughs> subliminally. I, I could have picked a number of a number of weekend songs, but yes, that happens. When it goes around the internet, they try and shield her from it, they try and stop it becoming a big thing on social media which it already has it's sort of implied that jocelyn's had problems with alcohol depression self-harm all the all of it and there's been illusions made in the press that this is about britney spears even though britney spears is explicitly mentioned in the piece so that's how it starts and then she goes into a sauna and in my opinion the episode falls apart because she starts to reminisce about an encounter she had at a club with the weekend's character 
Tedros, they have an encounter in this club with Madonna's Like a Prayer playing in the background because that's a hip and upcoming song, apparently. Don't quite understand why that was the choice. But they have a sexual encounter that goes on far too long for my liking. She then comes home from that encounter and masturbates and chokes herself because that's what we all do. <laughs> um, and Okay, granddad. Jesus. Yeah, well, a <laughs> bit of an insight into Matt's life there. She is entranced by him for reasons we can't or I can't fathom. One character refers to him as rapey, which is exactly what he is. Uh, she meets up with him again. She plays him the new single. He's sort of unimpressed by it, and that knocks her confidence further. She's already said before that she doesn't really like the single. She doesn't think it's very her. That is basically setting up the first episode of The Idol. The reviews of people who saw this episode at Cannes Film Festival were not kind. I think it was the first two they saw at Cannes. Yeah. From what I gather, the second one leans into the aspects of the first one that I didn't like. There are people in this I really like. I think that Lily Rose Depp's central performance is engaging, though she's not given much to do, or to go down a granddad route again, she's not given much to wear either. Uh, I like Divine Joy Randolph. Randolph. Who who is uh, who Matt and I know from the only season of The Brilliant High Fidelity... And the second season of uh, Only Murders in the Building. Is she in both seasons? I don't remember in the first, but you might be right. Is she in both? I apologise. So she's great. Dan Levy, I wasn't the biggest uh, Shit's Creek fan, but I I think he's interesting screen presence. Hank Azaria is there doing another tricky offensive accent. He's not learned from the Apu of it all. The worst this is, is incredibly boring. And that is not what I associate with Sam Levinson, given his HBO output to this point. Euphoria, which we ha- we can't not compare this to, with it being similar age groups, same creator, same director. You know, it's, it's in the Levinson verse, if you like. is really engaging. It has a lot of depth. It has a lot of style. This felt really lacking in depth and style. It gave me no reason in this first one to understand why this character, Jocelyn, is worthy of the title of the idol. I didn't understand why she was this brilliant pop star. I should have made a note on the Marcus in time, but I'm going to say the first 20 minutes, I was watching it going, people were being really harsh on this. I enjoyed the interplay between the teams, as they were trying to shield their client from this awful thing that had happened, I thought that had shades of, I won't say succession, because that's a far superior piece of television, but shades of those horrible people. Thick of trying, it, I thought. Yeah, thick of it or veep or anything like that, trying to, you know, trying to make the best out of a, a terrible situation. But then she goes into this sauna and reminisces about this it, encounter. You say with... reminisces. It doesn't she go to the club? No, I agree. I thought it was linear. From whenever that point is, it sort of loses you because it becomes a different thing. All the characters I found semi-interesting were stripped away and Abel, the weekend, Tevisay, just cannot act. I don't know why somebody in his position would want or desire to play a role like this that just 
is the worst kind of human in the industry. I said to Dawn, I think this is a real career killer for some people. I think Lily Rose Depp in those opening moments, there were shades of I Hate Susie, again, a far superior show, but I thought the sequence at the very beginning where you just hear a photographer tell her expressions to deliver and she does it perfectly, really engaging. You're just looking at her face as it changes really, really good. But the rest of it is a mess. It's deserving of all the criticism that it's had. And I'm sad to say that I'm not interested in pursuing the next few episodes because I believe it's probably going to lean harder into the aspects of it I didn't like and I've no desire to watch that sort of show. Yeah, basically what you said. (laughs) You you sort of went into every aspect of it there, really. Yeah, the the first bit of it reminded me of I Hate Susie. One of the actors you didn't mention is the actress who plays Hannah Reinbinder's mum on Hacks. I don't know all their roles. They all seem to be like agency people and... Yeah, they're just members of, quote-unquote, her team, aren't they? Her team, yeah. The the show I wanted to watch was, as you say, this, like, thick of it show where it's all these people talking about her and she's very much a background character, almost like one of the politicians in the thick of it. That's what I kept going back to. As you say, the bad reviews almost proceed it in a way that you think is going to be this awful spectacle and... You know, coming out last night, I saw like The Guardian gave it one star review. Everyone was saying, oh, this is awful. This is the worst thing ever. And Luke, you're right. It's just really dull. It's like, don't don't watch this if you're expecting like, you know, car crash TV. It's like, you know, that first 20 minutes lulls you into a full sense of security. And then you're watching a series of music videos. You know, a lot of the critical stuff that come out of Cannes was about the sex scenes of which they didn't become like explicit perhaps to the extent that I was reading about they you know there was mention of 50 shades of gray which we got a little bit of possibly at the end of the episode and it would suggest that this is going to continue into the next episode i read a piece in the guardian ahead of the the episodes coming out where some of the cast they interviewed, uh, Divine Joy Randolph, they interviewed the actress who played the journalist, saying, you know, that just happens in the first two episodes that everyone's seen. The back four episodes are something completely different. And bear with us, don't listen to, you know, don't pay attention to the man in the corner. I agree with you about the, the weakened. Lily Rose Depp's an interesting one because I personally don't know a lot about her, apart from she's Johnny Depp's daughter looks why she fits the role um you know she's almost doll-like isn't she but she's certainly better the bits we saw of her having the photographs taken or doing the music like the physical acting when she actually had to deliver lines and be the, the focal point of the episode as you alluded to it sort of falls apart i that like a virgin sequence that lost me you know, you used the word depth, you know, became quite weak, quite paper thin because there wasn't anything happening really after, you know, she went to the club and the subsequent stuff that happened. So it, it's a weird one, really. And you use the, the, the phrase I remember you using when you were talking about inside number nine was cut and shut. And this really felt like 
two different people were working on two different shows. And as you say, the initial showrunner, the female showrunner, uh, was ousted in favour of of Levinson. And he is quickly becoming someone who there's a lot of criticism about. There's, there was also that uncomfortable scene with the intimacy coordinator where it was almost sort of, is art imitating life here? Is he mocking the intimacy coordinator because he's had to deal with them a lot on euphoria and you know why can't I just get my actresses naked if I want to that's what that's what it felt like to me but yeah just really strange but as it went on it got increasingly duller can I watch this sort of show with you know Hank Azaria doing one of his Simpsons voices (laughs) Divine Joy Randolph stealing the show when is it the actress? Sorry, it's Jane Adams, the the older yeah. actress. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, as you mentioned, Dan Levy, isn't it? Um, yeah. Those those actors together, I really like their scenes. And her as a background player, that would have worked for me. And then I lost that show completely. So, yeah. I'm also confused don't... what it's trying to say about the music industry. No idea mm. at all. No idea. And I don't think it knows. I don't think it knows what it wants to be. And it's because, and I think it is a case of too many cooks spoiling the broth and too, you know, I'm assuming the weekend had complete creative control over what he was doing. There were those satirical elements, but there's also the sort of Sam Levinson of it all with the, the sort of the sexy sexiness. But then that element in Euphoria was very much a background thing. And I think because you had an ensemble of young characters and they were all very different. And they were real people as well. Well, they weren't real people, but they... Well, they are when I'm watching There was an authenticity to them, perhaps, and you don't feel that here with with Jocelyn, really. As you say, I really lost interest in that second part. I was, like, looking around, cleaning my keyboard on my computer. You know, how long's left And it wasn't even a full hour. No, 54 minutes. I, I was counting down, trust me. <laughs> what Dawn, about you, Dawn? do you have anything to add without repeating us? It reminded me, well, the second part of it reminded me of in the 90s, after um, Basic Instinct came out, a lot of sort of similar themed copycat-esque films came out, which were supposed to be sexy, dangerous. Disclosure. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Yeah, Body of Evidence with Madonna, you know, all these films that were supposed to be so sexy and edgy and trying so hard and just didn't have the quality of writing that um, Basic Instinct had. That's what this felt like. It felt like they're trying so hard to be edgy and deep and 
oh, look at us. And it just, as you say, it was just boring. I really enjoyed the first part. I thought it was interesting to explore this idea of, of, of that we all know is true, that these young women are commodities. Every part of their body is a commodity. And that was the bit with the intimacy coordinator. You know, her nipples became a commodity. It's her right to show them if she wants to. And there was bits with, like, the, the symbolism of the fact that she wore the outfit, and I use that term loosely, uh, that she was doing for the photo shoot. She wore that to meet... She wore the outfit loosely as well. Yes, yeah, well, that's true. Uh, Tedros on their date, so, you know, trying to say that she was still being performative and she was still playing a character and she wasn't the real her. I thought that was a good thing. And I, as you said about the intimacy coordinator, it did feel like both in terms of within the show they were mocking intimacy coordinators, but also they were saying to the audience, look, if you feel this way about the sex or the you know nudity, we're shutting you in the bathroom and you're not going to be part of it. What happened to him? What happened to him? Did he sit in the bathroom? You know? <laughs> there were moments of it I thought they were going to do something that would be worth your time and, and say something about the music industry and particularly young women in the music industry that wasn't done in Britney Spears' lucky music video or somewhere music video because that's basically what it feels like britney spears herself has done this better in her own work than they have done and i just couldn't care less about um the the character of tedros in the sense of he feels like a personality vacuum when he comes on screen there's nothing that lights you up and makes you intrigued and he's just ugh, you know there's no nothing he's like human wallpaper it he feels, feels like something of another time that he feels like it should be like an older character like you know like almost like a used car salesman sort of thing you know when she comes into the club and he starts talking and it just feels really yeah. cheesy and something that you would expect from someone much older rather than I, i'm not sure how old the the, the weekend is um, well, I would assume in his 30s, but it just feels like everything he said was really sleazy. It feels like the end of the episode is her handing over control of herself away from her team and all these people to this man she's met for five minutes because she's attracted to him, I guess. But, you know, we're only guessing because we don't know. And the go-to cultural references in here, as well as Luke mentioned Madonna and Britney Spears yeah. and Prince. It didn't feel contemporary in that no. sense at all. No. Or, or, or have the HBO prestige feel either. And The Idol is not as bad as you think, just incredibly dull, has nothing to say of interest and is really vapid. Uh, you can watch it for yourself, though, and find that out if you wish. Sky Atlantic, Sky Box Sets, although it's not available as a box set. The next five episodes, I believe there's only six, mm. um, will go out on Sundays in the succession slot at 2am and then be available to download or watch on Sky Atlantic from 9. Moving on, Somebody Somewhere. Uh, this was number 10 in my top 10 shows of the year last year. I thought criminally underseen, like a lot of HBO shows, quite a hard sell. I don't quite know how you'd sum this up. So, with that in mind, Dawn's going to sum this up. I should have kept the um, message that my best friend sent me that I, I sent to Luke 
uh, a couple of weeks ago because I hadn't seen the first series, even though Luke had insisted I would like it. But my best friend sent me a message saying she just watched it and went into great detail. Uh, uh, you know, she did her own little review for me and I thought, oh, well, I better watch it now. And she was right. I did love it. Uh, <laughs> somebody Somewhere is about Sam who moves back to small town Kansas to look after her sister who is dying of cancer. Her sister then dies and Sam finds herself aimless back in this town. She doesn't have a career. She doesn't have a relationship. Uh, however, she meets back up with Joel, who had known her from high school choir. He loved her singing voice, and they become the best of friends. Joel is gay, and under the guise of a church choir, he runs um, an LGBTQ plus night uh, along with uh, his friend Fred Rococo, who is a trans man. Fred is also um, an agricultural professor, and Sam's father has a farm. He is aging and struggling to run it. So Fred provides students from the university, which will help him out. Uh, Sam's mother is an alcoholic. Uh, her sister Trish discovers her husband having an affair with her best friend, who she runs a shop with, um, and that is the first season. Second season opens up. Joel is staying with Sam. He's split up with his boyfriend and he's renting out his house. So he's staying with, with Sam to save money. Sam's dad has gone away to do some boating with his brother because their mother, um, MJ, has had a stroke and is now living in a facility full time. So they're running down the farm. Trisha has thrown out her cheating husband and is taking her daughter away to college. So she's suffering empty nest syndrome and also a lack of direction because her business folded with her business partner being the one who was having an affair with her husband. Fred has been in Wisconsin and returns with a, a fiancé in tow, Susan. Turns out he has had a relationship with Susan for 25 years on and off, but only committed now that Susan had come out to her family. Uh, there's not a lot really happens in episode one. It's mostly setting up what has happened in the interim time. And the, the second episode introduces Brad, who is a teacher who is getting singing lessons from Sam's old singing teacher, Darlene. And Sam makes contact with Darlene because she decides to take up singing lessons again. And Brad uh, and Joel make a connection of sorts. And she's been asked to sing at Fred's yes. wedding as well, which yes. is part of Fred has asked Joel to perform the ceremony, but he's, he has difficulties because um, he's left religion after the events of the first season. I've seen all this second season. It finished recently. I don't think necessarily that the first two sell it particularly well because it turns into something, as the first season did, really beautiful, really genuine, really sweet, without being saccharine. I just love it. But I think even though these first two aren't a great example of what's to come, I think if you love these characters like I do, particularly the central pairing of Sam and Joel, then you're just happy to hang out with them and go around Kansas and stuff. They've done away with a few things that I particularly liked about the first season. There's no choir. It's very pared back. The father is away because... The actor in real life passed away, but the creatives behind the scenes didn't want to do the story of her losing her dad because they felt that the character had had so much trauma already, it would be unfair. And 
turn the show into something different for her to have more trauma on top of that. It also means that the mother is not used as often because uh, she's away in the home, as Dawn says. But I do think that when she is used, and particularly the three women are together, Sam, Trisha and, and the mother, those scenes are really powerful and moving. The final episode, which you won't be surprised, is Fred's wedding, is when Sam sings Laura Brannigan's Gloria and it is just as joyous as you would hope. If you love the show, you'll know what I mean. Uh, there's a great sequence later on where Joel and Sam's relationship is very fragile that I thought was really good. But at the end of the day, this is just a very small show about an underseen people, I suppose, in that part of the country. And it's just a hangout show. And if, you, if you're willing to hang out with them, it will move you. It will make you laugh. And you'll just take it to heart like I did. I loved it. Dawn, as someone who's come fresh off of season one, how did you feel about being back with them so soon and, and where these two episodes sat in the canon, as it were? I was really delighted to be back. As you said, any scene with Sam and Joel together is just wonderful. You just feel like it's, you know, your friend. You know, you're sitting in the corner with a beer getting to hear them having fun with each other. I, I liked that it felt like there'd been an evolution in their relationship, not in massive terms, but just that feeling of they had spent a lot of time together now and that they are very comfortable with each other and, and there is an underlying... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Sense of how much they are relying on each other. And, um, you know, it's not just underlying. They're saying it as well. You know, the fact that, as I say, not very much happens in the first episode at all. The second episode has some very laugh-out-loud, literal toilet humour, which I did find uh, very funny, <laughs> because I am that childish. But I was really pleased about um, Fred uh, getting married. I was really worried for a moment that there was going to be some awkwardness, that, that Sam was somehow jealous of Susan or whatever, but went away very quickly. I don't know. There were just some... I think she just sort of resented for a moment that, you know, their their friendship group had changed. I really liked what they've done with her, with her sister as well. I didn't mention her plot of what happens with her and that she finds her own feet in, a, in an unusual way. And I it's really actually that. brilliant. Now. It's, <laughs> it's really brilliant. The two sisters relationship is interesting because it's fractious but they love yeah. each other and they, they can't stand each other and they embarrass each other. I find them really interesting as well. I love Trisha's growth from the first siege because in the first siege she came across quite homophobic and very, you know, restrictive of her daughter. You know, you can't dye your hair and all this thing. She was and a then, bit of a snob, wasn't she? She was a snob. And then, and then, you know, she invites Joel and Sam over and she she wants to gossip and giggle and hang out in the, that same kind of environment that 
Sam does, which showed real growth, and I suppose is reflective of what often happens in these small towns, especially in America, where there is prejudice and closed-mindedness until they meet someone and they get to know them and then they're like oh hang on you're normal you're lovely you're you know a wonderful person and I want you in your life and soften and change their mind over time so I think that is a really good part of the the story to to bring out in Trisha. This is an odd one because there's not a lot you can sort of say about it I don't know if that makes sense. It's more of a feeling than a... a feeling, yeah, yeah, definitely. As you say, you like spending time in the company of these characters. I like the dynamic between the sisters, as Dawn said. I think part of it is, obviously, that Sam had left the town for so long, and I think Trisha felt like she was the one coping with the family and then coming back and having to adjust to each other as adults, I think, is part of the thing, isn't it? And what happened to Trisha in season one finding out her husband was cheating on her with a business partner and now you know she's working in this supermarket basically whereas her ex-business partner is a successful realtor I thought the scene where her daughter went away to college was was really good I I like the fact that we're seeing more of Murray Hill as Fred I I I really enjoyed that character in, in season one as you say, it's it's a very like almost like a relaxing show. You're just sort of putting it on and you're there with these characters in this little world. And yeah, enjoyed it. Uh, somebody somewhere, as Dawn said, renewed for a third series, which is is something because I often worry about these little shows that are hard to define, don't have massive fan bases. Dawn when you watched it, you binged the first series pretty quickly. Have you told anyone else to watch it and have you had any feedback from them? I, I have. Basically, I have been telling my other middle-aged women who are plus size <laughs> to watch it. There's a scene in um, episode one uh, where Sam is wandering about in just you know, a T-shirt and, a, and yeah. pants. To yeah, see yeah. a plus size woman walking about just casually in underwear is amazing to me just that it's mm, not in a margarita or yeah, is it margarita yes <laughs> and in her own home of course you would walk about in your underwear in your own home and it's yeah. just that kind of thing is i'll so always wonderful. knock if i visit <laughs> i feel a, a great affinity to sam because i too normally always have a stain on the front of my top you know the the, the fact that she just <laughs> always wearing some hanging about t-shirt and you know she doesn't dress up and it's the detail isn't it yeah, yeah. that detail that, that that makes you really feel like you're hanging out with them and you just want to i've just found the, the message that my best friend sent she said it's a dark comedy tinged with so- show songs and old 70s and 80s music it's sad and heartbreaking and silly all at once it's filled with mystery and high school small town nostalgia but also filled with secrets, sadness, grief, family and friendship. I thought that's a pretty good review of it. If they want to review, if they want to write stuff for the website, they've just passed the test. Thank you very much. <laughs> I would say as well, it's all—it's still about her coming to terms with losing her sister. The middle of the yeah. season, it's clear that Sam is still very much grieving. She's found solace with Joel and that when their relationship isn't, at its strongest, I found it really difficult because those two characters need each other and they have several 
difficulties throughout the season. I think it's a stronger season in a way than season one. And that's strange because they've stripped it. It's more basic. It's more stripped away. There's some beautiful singing from Bridget Everett, who plays Sam, as well as you come to expect. I heard you describe Natasha Leone last week. I think I did it in a review as well as effortlessly cool. And I think the same about Bridget Everett in this. I think she's just really cool, really easy, a great screen presence. And I don't know how many people will watch this when it's available, but if you are interested in it after hearing us talk, go on your Skybox sets and seek out season one, and then season two will be available as a box set or in double bills from Tuesday. It's a proper little gem, somebody, somewhere. Where are we going next, Matt? Are we going to France next, or are we going to Alan? No, we're, we're going to Northampton next. Oh, hello, welcome. Hello, Luke. Yeah, hello. <laughs> you should really yeah. be setting this one up. It's in your yeah, it's in my neck in your, of the woods. Yeah. Your neck of the woods. Just bear with me a moment while I get my notes up because they're just not responding for some reason. Talk amongst yourselves. Okay. Well, this is Alan Carr's semi. Well, not semi. Definitely autobiographical comedy where he pops up as himself, he's narrating it, and it's his young life in the 80s with his dad as the captain of... Is that even a term? Captain? Well, he's the manager. There's not a captain in football anyway. Yes, there is. Is there? (laughs) Uh, No, the manager of the uh, Northants football team, which still to this day is called the Cobblers. This is co-written by Alan Carr alongside um, Simon Carlyle, who probably most famous for Two Doors Down. This is sort of him going into adolescence, into puberty. He is perturbed by the fact that his best friend doesn't want to spend any time with him. Um, It turns out that his best friend's parents don't think that Alan is quote-unquote normal. So he feels the way to get um, his friend back in his life is to uh, learn how to be a footballer. And so his dad tries to help him with this to mix to negative results, let's just say. Um, He's got a complete lack of coordination. He's scared when the ball comes towards him. And it ends basically with him getting to go on the pitch with the Northampton Town team and um, have uh, partake in their sort of kickabout that they have at the beginning of each game. Dawn, did you go on to the second episode? I did. And the third and the fourth. (laughs) Um, just to say the the second episode is the first day of secondary school and the overarching story in this is Alan trying to get out of uh, going into PE because he's found out that they have to have communal showers afterwards and also trying to keep the fact that his dad is Graham Carr because a lot of kids at the school don't think he is a good manager of the football team. Now, Dawn, this is sort of set at the same time. You would have been the similar age, I think, to the the characters here. So I'm going to go to you first. And obviously, you watched the majority of the series, the six episodes in total. Did you enjoy Changing Ends? (laughs) I did. I wouldn't say it was the best show I've seen this year. I didn't love it as much as somebody somewhere. But I did find it very, as the, the word we often use, very pleasant to watch. Every single review is going to see this. So I won't be um, breaking the mold to see. But Oliver Saville, who plays young Alan, is absolutely astounding at it. He has every gesture, every nuance down, not in a an impression kind of way, because he still seems like a young 
uh, you know, whatever he is, 12 year old. But he's just so good. The best parts to me, I think, well, the funniest moments are the interjections from Alan, adult Alan, you know, with his, with his hindsight. Some of his lines are very funny. I like that he's not just narrating, he's literally there, which is a little bit of a different dynamic to a lot of these similar shows. This is a very light show, a very pleasant to watch show, but there is something quite deep going on that it's so much of it is homophobia. It's, it's, it's ironic that the abuse he gets at school is because of his father more than the fact that he think he's camp. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But it's from the adults around him. The adults around him are being abusive and negative because he's effeminate or flamboyant or whatever words they want to think of at that time it's well handled that even though that is a serious topic it's not played as who is me and you know my terrible life it's it's the way what when you lived in the 80s and you just that was part of life that was you know people were saying slurs on television and comedy was based on characters like Duncan Norville and and Larry Grayson that where if you were or camp, you were John Inman. Oh, yeah, John Inman. It was just played as as something to be laughed at, and not something to take seriously as a as a young boy. Is just this is his personality, um, and his personality is as delightful as Alan Carr's is now. He's you know loves murder. She wrote, and it's all very um, down my alley. One thing I did like was in the dr- uh, dressing room. There's a a scene where his father, who is quite a brusque football type, and he's having a go at all his footballers, little lines cutting them down. And I thought that was a nice touch that showed, even though Alan is so different from his parents, you can see where he gets his humour, that his dad has that humour, that biting, Mm. slee type humour. It just comes out in a very different way because he's a um, a footballing type. It's good that... The the dad is never like snap out of it. Yeah. Why are you acting like that? I mean, certainly not in the two episodes I've seen. He's not like the neighbours are very stay away from him. He's not normal. His dad is sort of semi accepting of him or just sort of ignoring it. I don't know, like blissful yeah. ignorance. His mum is a brilliant character as well, and I like her like sort of sniping relationship with the the neighbour. You sort of knew what you were going to get. And I think the two sort of central stories in these first two episodes are 
Not, I suppose, generic rather than cliche. You know, the I want to stay friends with my friend from childhood so I'll learn how to play football. The thing about not wanting to shower with the boys at the end of PE is a story that you've seen played out a million times before. But I would say, yeah, the, the central performance is brilliant. I really like Sean Dooley as, as the dad. The one thing I was a bit on the fence with was Alan actually being in the show. I, I don't think it needed it. I think the voiceover would have been enough, like in a sort of like everybody hates Chris type thing. The most obvious gag for me, which is always sort of something you see in these sort of 80s nostalgic things from the UK is the, I'll put something more butch up with George Michael. If it's in the 70s, the gag's always Elton John. If it's in the 80s, it's always George Michael. Don't know who it would be for the 90s. It would probably be him who can't be mentioned anymore. Yeah, I was going to say, I was trying to, I was trying to swerve. Would you have a picture of Philip Schofield up? It's, like, it's more like the pop stars, unless you're Dawn. If you're not particularly a fan of Alan Carr, then this show has little to no appeal, in in my opinion. And I'm not really a fan of Alan Carr. And I, if I dare, I'm going to disagree about the central performance because I felt it too much. I felt it was doing a sort of Mickey take. I never believed it at any point. I never felt from it at any point because he's just doing Alan Carr impression as far as I could see. Surely Alan Carr was like that as a child. Well, to a degree, yes. I never relaxed into that performance because... And then Alan Carr popping up as himself as well as narrating it. It is his story and he's he's welcome to be there. But I was hoping for more of a more of a Moon Boy type show where Moon Boy was full of charm and this one was full of Alan Carr and I, I really struggled with it. I what, what is it you don't like about Alan Carr? Just somebody who I've never really warmed to as a comedian or a performer. You know, this was easy to watch for half an hour. The gags were all pretty obvious. I wanted to find it warm and I just didn't. It just sort of washed over me and I was done with it. But clearly I am, as we say many times, completely heartless. No, I can sort of see where you're coming from on that. And, you know, as you say, if you don't like Alan Carr, then, yeah, you're not going to enjoy it. You're not no, going to enjoy is, this stay away. It's his story, and he's, yeah. he's all over it, yeah. I didn't read the article, but there was a a piece somewhere speaking to, I don't know if it's the head of ITV or the drama department or all the heads of the department saying it is virtually impossible to get anyone to watch their linear channel. The ratings have just plummeted. And I do think... There is a stigma attached to that channel that even I am guilty of now. Chris Lang did that tweet when the BAFTAs were announced saying ITV is, is always forgotten and, and never gets a mention and he thinks it's snobbery and there might be a degree of that. I'm sure there's a degree of that. But I do think as time goes on, their output is just less and less exciting, less and less surprising and I'm finding I don't watch any ITV at all there is a lot of sort of continuing drama isn't there like you know yeah. how we're on like the hundredth series of vera now how the, is vera know, not retired at this point that annoys me grace seems to be one of their new long-running mm. things Grandchester, unforgotten which we love obviously but you yeah. know if they get if they get a hit they stay with that hit and i think that's part of the reason why they don't get the awards love because a lot of the 
things that get awards are like the mini series or the series that haven't been going for that long so mm. and then things like which we enjoyed last year the walk-in or something like holding which me and dawn enjoyed get lost in the shuffle itvx is where you go if you want to see uh, the entire series of changing lanes ends luke ends. oh so i keep doing that changing ends yeah um it's a football thing yeah, so, uh, that's why I don't get it. <laughs> Next up, we're going to France because this is a French subtitled drama which Dawn is going to sum up for us. I will say the, the title in French is Ce que Pauline ne veut de pas. And it's about Pauline of the title who has left her abusive husband. The details of his abuse is vague, but at the very least he is um, manipulative and verbally abusive. She's shopping with her two children, Damien, who's 10, and a toddler, 18-month-old sort of kind of uh, baby, Rosaline. And her card has declined at the store. She's embarrassed by this and phones uh, uh, her ex-husband, Oliver, or Olivier. I'm not entirely sure. I think it was Olivier. Was it Olivier? Mm. She phones him to say, where's the child support? And he just mocks her and, and says, you know, you're lucky you get anything from me. Uh, she hangs up and in anger screams, I'm I'm going to kill that man. She turns her car around to go to his house to confront him, tells the children to stay in the, the car. Damien wants his games console, so he gets out of the car, sneaks into the house, is trying to get his console, and he hears the noise and looks to see out the back of the house his father on the ground, blood pouring from his head, and his mother kneeling over him. He pretends he doesn't see it, runs back to the car, Pauline comes out and drives home. Only after putting all the groceries away, she phones 999 and informs them about uh, Olivier, who she believes is dead at that point. The operator is suspicious about the fact she's left the scene of the crime, tells her she has to go back, which she does. The paramedics then are very suspicious of Pauline's behaviour and the way she's speaking. Olivier is still alive as they get into the ambulance. She goes with them. During the ambulance ride, she whispers something and then um, Olivier promptly dies. So because of her behaviour and the delay of calling 999, suspicion arises that she, in fact, murdered her husband. His family are very supportive to her, his parents and his brother, who acknowledges that his um, that Olivier was uh, an abusive man to everyone, including his parents. Though his parents seem to see him as a, a bit of a golden boy. Morgane Sabali is a prosecutor new to the business, uh, who has been investigating Olivier. He worked for an insurance company, and there was some dodgy dealings with property which he had been investigating. Uh, once she finds out he's died, she then turns her attention to investigating whether his wife has killed him. Also, one of the paramedics, his aunt is a policewoman, uh, Major Marie, and he takes her to the scene of the crime, to the house, and shows her that Olivier had fallen from scaffolding, which was very poorly erected on the house. Did Pauline push him off the scaffolding? Did he fall from the scaffolding? He thinks Pauline's behaviour is odd and he wants his aunt to investigate, which both Morgane and um, Marie begin their own methods of investigation but work together. Meanwhile, Damien at school tells his friend that he saw his mum murder his dad. Obviously, the 
school then forms social services and Pauline learns about it. She takes Damien out of school, takes her, her baby from the childminder and goes on the run. I did watch the second, which becomes much more about the case in terms of the judicial system and the all the interviews, the interrogations that go on for Pauline and her son and all members of the family. And we find out a lot more about Pauline, but it becomes more what Damien is not telling you because he won't say exactly what he saw or didn't see. Mm. Um, and Pauline stays quiet too. It, it wound me up initially because the the opening title and the score is very serious, very hyper serious, and the plot on paper sounds like a Channel Five drama. As far as I'm aware, it may well have already been a Channel Five drama Star- starring Joe Joyner and yeah. Jill Halfpenny. I don't watch those, so I may have missed our version. There's one of... this week. I don't know whether whether it was the way I was feeling or whatever, but I thought this. Very simple premise, which I've probably seen before, although I can't pinpoint exactly when or where or who was in it. I just found it it did everything right. You know, I, I really found it surprisingly interesting, really well acted. I thought Damien the Sun was really well acted. It flowed really well. I like the fact that in a lesser drama, there would have been a stroppy male detective investigating her who would immediately demoralise her and say oh she's a crazy woman and uh, she obviously killed her husband because that's what they did and I like that it was a female investigator Uh, one of the reasons I didn't get into Spiral which is supposedly one of the best foreign crime dramas out there is because I couldn't get my head round how the French judicial system works and what all the prosecutors do and how the law is working but I think I think I understood it more here and I found those scenes really interesting I think Pauline is a really interesting character because she's very quiet and you don't know what's going on in her head and in the final moments in the car she's telling them they're going to go somewhere wonderful and singing in the car so yes this was sort of a paint by numbers drama but it just did everything right I found it really well done whether it was well done enough for me to go and watch the subsequent episodes I don't know but I was surprised by it because it should have been blunder, it should have been more dramatic, it should have been forgettable than just another one of these dramas about did somebody kill somebody, jilted lover or miserable ex-husband. But it had more depth, they had more weight. I thought his family members were interesting, the brother comes on the scene as you say and is very sort of sheepish and you don't quite know the dynamic there. Obviously, they were already investigating this guy for something else, and now he's dead. That's fallen apart. He's very influential in the area. So there's a lot going on beneath the surface of what could otherwise be a rather bland drama. So I was quite impressed by it, I'll be honest. You basically said everything I was going to say. <laughs> oh, really? Well, that's good. It's good to be on the same page. Exactly the same thing. I, I agree with you about having, you know, both the, the police officer and the prosecutor being female, I think, adds a different slant to this. You know, these are women who are being underestimated by their male counterparts and the prosecutor is told in no uncertain terms by her snooty male colleague that the boss has put you on this case because you are going to lose it. The major, she is seen as like from a family of cops and, you know, she is sneered at by the prosecutors as well. 
it is intriguing to have a character like Pauline, who is, as we see in the opening scene, quick to anger, is a little bit all over the place, isn't the easiest person to get on with, but at the same time, you are still rooting for her. And there is that element of mystery over what exactly happened. Did he fall off the scaffolding? Was he pushed? Obviously, there are other enemies there aside from Pauline. You know, he's got this dodgy dealings going on. He's got a sort of semi-strange relationship with his family. And I think it was good here. I don't know, Dawn, if it goes on to have any flashbacks. But I think one of the things Luke probably enjoyed was the lack of flashbacks as well. I, I would echo Luke's sentiment. Not sure if there's enough to keep me going. Four parts, though, is probably quite easily digestible for most people. And, you know, the themes that they play on, again, use the word depth, I would agree with that. Dawn, what about you? Yep, I'm on the same page as well. I found it really gripping, unexpectedly so. And I thought it was unusual character family dynamics with the fact that it's his family that is helping her and supporting her and giving her a a lawyer. I really like that. I love the character of the prosecutor and how she deals with the male colleagues trying to put her down and make her doubt herself. And she's so dismissive of them and it's brilliant to see a, a strong female character like that. And the, the central character, Pauline, who reminds me so much of a British actress, but I couldn't think who it was. She does this brilliant thing that she's hiding everything, but you just see glimmers of it. You don't know what exactly is going on? She's she's almost shut down by whatever has happened and happened over a long period of time in her marriage. I just really liked it. I definitely will watch the last two. I would have finished it last night had it not been already uh, half past two in the morning just to find out, OK, what exactly happened? Because there are revelations even in the second episode. You know, you find out a lot more about Pauline's relationships and uh, her husband's relationships and you know there's a lot more revealed and you know I was thinking about malpractice when we watched malpractice the multiple points of view of the story didn't work at all and we would have preferred if we'd stayed with the prosecutors or with the the main character but in this it really worked having the three points of view the the policewoman the prosecutor and the victim worked and I don't know why it worked more than it did in malpractice but um it's just a sign of good writing I suppose so yeah I think I would recommend it if it's you know I can absolutely imagine ITV funnily enough making a version of this with Joanne Frogger as the yeah elite. this is what it was what was that one called someone black Angela uh, Black Angela Black when you said it feels like a drama that's the one I went to for some or reason that. though that they always write Joanne Froggart, and it's not her because I've seen her in other stuff, but lately they've been writing her as really cold characters and I don't think Pauline here was cold. I think she was mysterious and interesting and you felt for her. Exactly complex, yeah. (laughs) And she didn't have a kitchen island, which they do all have in ITV dramas. No. Like you say, the rarity of all of the points of view because sometimes in these kinds of dramas when it veers away from the person you're interested in, Mm. it can slow down. But I was interested in every aspect of it. Genuinely surprised me because I stupidly assumed I knew what I was getting and from the minute she gets on that phone call, well, actually in the supermarket even, all the interactions between her and the kids feel very naturalistic. 
there's a sequence before Damien goes in and sees what he sees where he's trying and somewhat failing to entertain his little sister and all that felt really proper. He's, and... a, he's a great little actor. He, well, is, he really he? is. I he's did really... write down his name. Damien. <laughs> I know I keep saying it, but really impressive. All on Walter Presents, which is on, here we go, going to say it. It's on Channel 4, except it isn't. You have to go on there streaming platform which is called channel See, four the, the thing i've noticed now when on like adverts for new channel four programs it's stream or watch weekly on channel four uh, that's so confusing i feel like an 80 year old who doesn't know how the world works anymore that yeah good. that that's the sort of vibe you give off most yeah, weeks. yeah most weeks <laughs> i know uh another podcast next week if you want to you can tell your friends we exist we are the Custard TV podcast. The website itself is thecustardtv.com. Dawn's running the website. and uh, Well, basically, Dawn's running the Instagram as well. Uh, it's the Custard TV. You can give us a follow on there. I'm on Twitter at Luke Custard TV. Matt is at Matt's TV Bites. Dawn is at, at Dawn Glen 2 because the first Dawn Glen stole her name and then went all racist. So if you don't follow her, follow Dawn Glen 2. Uh, is there a think- Dawn Glen 3? I hope so. I hope so. I hope they're multiplying. The first one's racist. The, the, the two is, is two walk and the third will be just right. <laughs> uh, Matt, the podcast next week looks like what? Uh, the Crowded Room we'll be doing and Best Interests, among others. Take care and goodbye. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> <laughs> Rate and review us wherever you find us. I think that it's programs like this that help people realise that they're not alone. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.